You are listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Today is the uh, conclusion of our 21 days of prayer. Um, we, For the past 21 days, we've been doing a daily devotion Monday through Friday. Um, and it's just been really good that we can all just be on the same pray, page praying for the same thing. And then we've been meeting on Wednesday nights as well. Uh, if you're joining us today for the first time, our key verse for this series has been John 10, chapter, John chapter 10, verse 3. It says this, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has, when he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep will follow him because they know his voice. They know his voice. Verse 5, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. So uh, this is the fourth week of our series. The first three weeks of our series, uh, we've been discovering how to hear God's voice. Last week, if you missed out, uh, you, you really need to check it out. We gave, I gave four filters um, for you to filter whether it's God's voice or whether it's something else. Um, because we got to know, right? We got to know if it's God talking to us or not. And so, because we've discovered that God does talk to us still. He does speak to us. And, and so, um, so we took the three, first three weeks uh, learning how to hear God's voice. But I realized that prayer is, is communication, right? And a big part of communication is not just one person talking, but both people are communicating with each other. And so I thought if we spent the first three weeks on hearing God talk to us, then let's spend the last Sunday, the last week, learning how we can communicate to God. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're, we're going to talk about um, communicating with God. I'm going to pray one more time, uh, and then we will uh, jump into the message, and we'll just see what God does. Cool? Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. God, I thank you for this opportunity that we have to, to come here on a Sunday morning, God, on a three-day weekend. God, you're looking down on, on the people that you love the most because they showed up to church on a three-day weekend. <laughs> God, we thank you for what you've done in this 21 days of prayer, Father. We thank you uh, that, God, that you've been really changing and stirring something up in, in our lives personally, God, but also as a church, Father. And so I pray right now, God, that the next remaining moments that we have together, God, that you would speak through me. God, you know uh, what each and every person in this room is going through. And there's no way that I can clearly and concisely communicate that. But I know, Holy Spirit, you can do that. And so right now, would you just uh, have your way in our hearts this morning? God, our desire is to leave changed. God, we, we, we don't have an hour and 10 minutes to just come here and to listen to karaoke and, and to listen to a, a communicator, God, but we, we want to be changed through your spirit. And so, God, would you help us to leave here changed, not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world. God, we love you so much. We bless you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, come on. Amen. I'll drink to that. Mm. Right on. So uh, prayer, 
For, for a lot of you guys, prayer comes easy for you. Like there's, I mean, I could count on my hand. I could point to you. I can call these people out who love to pray. They're just very good at praying. They, they, they're so eloquent in the way that they use their words and, and, and um, bless them. But then there's some of us who, man, we just struggle to pray. Come on, you don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to. Like, you know what I'm, like, you, so this was me, like, back when I was in, in high school, I had the hardest time praying. I was so insecure about praying. Do you, do you guys remember, like, those little circles when you, when you like, you want to pray and, and one person starts and then you squeeze the hand and, do you, remember, do you remember, no, for, the, for those of you that grew up in church, like, it, was like, it was like a test. It seemed like a test. And, and you would just get in a circle with a whole bunch of people. And uh, the prayer leader would, would start it off. And they would, they would squeeze the hand of the person next to them uh, so that person knows, like, hey, I'm done praying. It's your turn to pray. Right? Like, those, those circles gave me anxiety. Because, like, it was just, it was just, like, so, just the pressure, right? Especially if you're the last person to go, and there's, like, ten people in the circle. Like, there's literally nothing else to pray for. You know what I'm saying? And you're like, ah. Or, I mean, there's been some times where I just squeeze the hand. I, I was like, nope, squeeze. Like, I'm not, I have nothing, nothing to pray about. Because I, I just didn't know how to pray. I was, I was nervous. Like, it stressed me out. It stre- just like if I called you out right now and I was like, hey, come pray. Some of you would be like, ah. I remember uh, at my old church, the church that I grew up in, we had these prayer meetings. And, and my pastor, like, he loved, he loved, um, <laughs> that was weird. He, he loved calling up the youth to the prayer uh, and, um, to, to pray for, for the youth. And, um, and there's like only myself and two other guys in our youth that were there. So I knew eventually it was coming back to me. And I remember uh, just being there and then he would get to that place where he was gonna call up the youth. And I remember, that's where I learned the power of eye contact or lack thereof, right? <laughs> like, you know, he's staring at you. I knew my pastor was staring at me and I was like, like there's no way I there's sometimes I would just I knew it was coming up I'd go to the bathroom I know this is my this is like therapy for me really and uh there there was times when uh and and, well the problem was like my other two buddies that were that were there that prayed like those guys they set the bar way too high you know like in their prayers you know the people that set the bars too high in prayer like they just, they're just really good at prayer. Anyways, I'm telling you this because prayer stressed me out. I didn't know how to pray. I, I like, I, I would think about praying in public and, and I would just, I would tremble. I, I, and because I didn't really understand prayer, I didn't even pray in, in private. And, and I just, I couldn't stand prayer. I didn't understand how to pray. And then my friend, he, he showed me this verse in 1 Thessalonians, and, and it says this, and I'm paraphrasing, but it says that when we pray, we should pray without ceasing. Pray without stopping. And I'm like, what? So not, now not do I only not know how to pray, but now like I'm supposed to pray forever. 
and I was just getting anxiety. Later, I found out that, that a better translation of that verse in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17, uh, a, a better translation would have been a, a constant reoccurring prayer. And so I remembered thinking, John, if you are going to have a constant reoccurring time of prayer, then you better have some type of template to know how to pray. Because how many of you guys, when, when you pray by yourselves, like, you're there and you're like, Jesus, I'm done. Pray. Amen. <laughs> like, I got nothing, right? Like, and it's very easy. And so, so this morning, like, what I want us to do is, is I want to help you set a template so that when you pray, you can have this, uh, this, um, this reoccurring uh, prayer life, but to help and give you some kind of uh, uh, layout so you can pray. So you guys good with that? Awesome. Uh, so, and so we are going to be in the book of Matthew, the letter of Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 6. Uh, for those of you that are unfamiliar with this, uh, Matthew chapter 6 is part of, uh, it's right in the middle of chapter 5 in chapter 7. Come on, that's deep. <laughs> and chapter 5 through 7 is what we uh, have, what, what we've learned to be the, uh, uh, oh my goodness, it just slipped my mind. The Sermon on the Mount. And, and, and so uh, for, for these three chapters, it's, it's the longest uh, written, transcribed teachings of Jesus. And, um, and so in chapter 5, and, and so throughout these three chapters, Jesus, he's, he's given all kinds of insight on how, that, on how we should live, how, should, how we should act, how we should treat people. And tucked away in, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus, he, he talks about prayer. And so what we're going to do is we're going to uh, look through uh, Matthew chapter 6, cha Matthew 6, verse 5 through 13. And, uh, and then we're just going to see what Jesus has to say about prayer. And so uh, we'll start in, in verse 5. Jesus says this, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever Get. So Jesus, he starts off his little section about prayer, and he says this, don't be like those people who stand on the corner to publicly pray so that everyone could see them. And right off the bat, I think it's very easy to, to begin to think, okay, well, Jesus doesn't want me to pray in public. But that's not the case at all. In fact, Jesus, uh, this, this is not what Jesus is saying at all, but rather Jesus is, is letting us know that, um, that it's, it's not about public prayer, praying in public, that's the issue, but rather it's addressing the heart. And Jesus is talking about when you pray, man, check your heart. Like when you're praying, he, he's referring to these people who, who would come and they would stand on the corner and just pray. And, and, like, and their motive was not to really connect with God, but rather that people around them could hear and be impressed. And so Jesus is saying in, in, in verse 5, he's like, hey, check your heart. Know why you're praying. 
It's not that I don't want you to pray in public, but I, I just want you to, to have the right motives and, and the right heart for it. Uh, verse 6, but when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. So Jesus right here is setting the tone for the importance of you and I learning how to privately pray. Jesus, he, 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 he's in this verse, in verse 6, he's, he's letting us know how important it is for you and I to get away from the crowds, to find a spot where no one is at, and to learn to pray to him. To communicate with him. In fact, I think it's very interesting that, that Jesus, he, he associates private prayer with the reward. And so it's almost as if Jesus is trying to let us know, hey, there was something powerful when you can sneak away in the private and seek my face. Can I tell you this morning that it's, it's a great thing that we can come together corporately in, or as a church and, and pray together. And that's great. But according to what Jesus is saying here, the reward is not found in that. The reward is found when you and I can tuck ourselves away in the corner and pray by ourselves. In fact, I really feel like that's what Paul is writing in, in the letter to Thessalonica where he says that we are to pray without ceasing or that we are to pray with a constant reoccurring, this idea that we constantly should be, uh, have a constant reoccurring private prayer life. Because when we can learn to pray in private, God rewards those things that we do in private. That's Jesus. That's not me. He says, and pray to your father in private, then your father who sees everything will reward you. Come on, this morning I need you to know there's something, there's something that you're missing out on if you're not taking the time to privately seek God. Could I tell you, this is not even my nose, but could I tell you that your time on a Sunday morning here in worship and with the message would be a hundred times better if you came in prime from what you were doing with God Monday through Saturday? Like, I'm telling you, this 21 days of prayer, like, it's, it's literally messed me up. It's literally, like, I feel like God has done something in my life these past 21 days of just really just shaking me and saying, hey, nothing is going to happen if you don't learn how to pray. And so this idea that in the private, learning to, to talk to God in the, talk to God, talk to God in the private is important. Verse 7, when you pray, this is Jesus still, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. So once again, Jesus, he, he, he's addressing the heart of the individual. He, he's addressing the heart of the person that, uh, that is just talking just because he likes to be heard. Come on, we all have those uncles, right? Those grandpas, those daddies on Christmas and Thanksgiving. They love that opportunity when you're like, Uncle Ben, can you pray? And they're like, finally. And they just start praying for everything. Has nothing to do with the turkey, nothing to do with the stuffing. 
and they just praying. And you're like, my God. <laughs> and so Jesus, he, he's addressing this idea of prayer and, and, and the importance of, of, of not wanting to pray in public just so people can look at you and be like, oh, he's such a blessed brother. He's so good. Or wow, she, her prayer is so amazing. My gosh. Like that's not the point of praying. The point of prayer is so that we can connect. Come on, guys. Connect with God. And then he gets to verse 8. And Jesus says this. Don't be like them. So he's referring to the people who, who are just babbling on. The people who pray for the wrong motives in front of people for the wrong things. Don't be like them for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask. Now, right off the bat, when I was reading this this week, I was like, okay, this is kind of weird, Jesus, because in one breath, you're like, hey, God knows everything that you need before you even ask. And it's very easy when you, when you look at that to think, okay, well, then what's the point of praying? Like if God already knows what I need before I even ask, what is the point? So, so I'm reading this and it's, it, to me it's almost like Jesus is saying like there's no point to praying. But then he goes on in verse 8 and he says, but this is how you pray. So then I'm like, okay, well Jesus isn't telling me not to pray if he's, because he's, he's about to show me how to pray. And, and then I, so I was like, Jesus, what are you saying? Like why, what is the point of having to pray? If you already know what I want, if you already know what I'm going to pray for, if you already know my needs, God, what is the point of me having to pray? And I felt like in that moment, God was just really putting on my heart this idea that that prayer, that, that there is something powerful in our words when we speak. That when we speak, when we use our words to communicate to God, that it does something to God's heart. It, it, I feel like it literally moves God's heart. When we vocalize what we are asking God for. And I really believe that God established this idea at the very beginning of, of the Bible in Genesis where God, where the Bible says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. Notice how the, the, the passage doesn't read, and God thought that there would be light, and there was light. Notice how it doesn't say, and God internalized that there was light, and light came. Like, it didn't say thought, it didn't say internalized, it said God spoke. God spoke, like I feel like God in that moment, he was establishing the power of the spoken word. Let me say it this way. I believe that your words set into motion God's works. I'll say that again. Your words set into motion God's works. And so he may know what you need already, but there's something, that some, there's, a, there's, there's a power that is released in your words when you begin to speak it out. I told myself I do not want to have a church of people who internalize their prayers. I want to have a church that is vocal and saying, God, here I am. Here's what I need. 
I need you to work on my behalf. A church that vocalizes because there is power. There is power in your words. And then finally, Jesus gets to verse 9. And he, he gives us what we call the Lord's Prayer. And, and I think um, we, we, we've definitely talked about the Lord's Prayer. I, I try to do it every year because I think it's a perfect model of, of how we can pray. But I think it's very easy to, to look at the Lord's Prayer and to think that it's just something that we memorize and that we recite. And it's good, it's great, but, but really, uh, the, the Lord's Prayer is a model, is a template for you and I to learn how we can pray. And, and, and so that we can have this constant, reoccurring, private prayer time. And we're not just like, oh, I don't know what to pray for. Like, he literally gives it to us how to pray. And so what I want to do, for those of you, we're going to go through the Lord's Prayer. I still got a lot of time. Y'all will be able to make the buffet at Applebee's before, uh, before all the other churches get out in Roner Park. But, uh, but, but your, your, uh, your note sheet, I set it up differently this week. because I, I, And so what I did is I gave you blanks. And so as we go through it, I want you to be able to fill out those things so that tomorrow morning when you wake up, you can actually look at your sheet and you can just pray through your sheet. And I, I want to try to help you guys out with that. Is that um, and so, so we're just going to go through the six steps of learning the Lord's Prayer, learning how to pray. And, uh, and we'll go ahead and start. And, it's, and the first part is this. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So step one, celebrate God. Celebrate God. Celebrate God. This is an opportunity for you and I to start off our prayer with celebrating who God is. Not celebrating what he's done for you, not celebrating what you need him to do for you, but literally celebrating who he is. And so for me, my, it starts off like this for me. God, I thank you that you are my healer. God, I thank you that you are my peace. God, I thank you that you're my righteousness, that, that you've made me righteous because of sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. God, I thank you that you are my joy. And it's, just, it's this idea of just celebrating who God is in your life. Just begin to, and this is also a great opportunity to begin to thank him too. So, so at this first step, I'm, I'm celebrating God. I'm, I'm worshiping him. I'm saying, God, you are so holy. God, you are so worthy. But then I also say, God, I thank you for my family. God, I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my kids. I thank you for the roof over my head. God, I thank you for the food in my belly. Like literally, I'm thanking God for everything that I could think of. And really this first section right here, it, it, it's, it's an opportunity for us to change the mindset from the focus being on me to the focus being on God. So my prayer time is typically in the morning, and so I'm getting right out of bed. I'm going, I'm turning on my Spotify, I'm listening to some Hillsong United or some Elevation Worship, and, um, and right off the bat, I'm so tired. Like, I'm, I still got, like, those nasty goopies in my eyes, and, 
And I'm like, I'm still trying to just figure life out, right, in the morning. And, and, and so, like, it takes me a while for me to stop and to be able to say, God, I thank you for who you are. God, I worship you. And, and, and some days it takes longer than others for me to get out of it. But some days, like, it's just instant. It'll connect. And all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, I feel like I connected with God right now. And then I move on to the next step. And here's, here's the next step, step two. Uh, thy, so our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So step two is pray God's agenda first. Pray God's agenda first. Now, I would say this, that uh, Jesus, he, he kind of modeled what his agenda is when he said that I did not come to be served, but to serve. So I think it's very safe to say that God's agenda are other people. And so right after I'm done celebrating and worshiping and honoring God, I don't go straight into praying for me. I begin to pray for other people. God, I pray that you would just continue to be with my wife. God, you know, she, she's not feeling good. God, would you just continue to heal her? And, and so I'm praying for other people in this moment. The, the other thing that... Jesus, uh, Jesus' heart is not, God's heart is not just others, but I believe that if we honed it in even more, that God's heart is for the lost. And Luke chapter 5, I believe, uh, Jesus, the whole chapter, he talks about not the saints, but he talks about that one person that's lost. He talks about the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. Right before Jesus ascends into heaven, the last words he says was not, go out and make sure that you have a great career. The last words that Jesus said before he ascended to heaven wasn't, hey, make sure you find yourself a great wife and, and raise a whole bunch of kids and have a white picket fence with a dog named Fido and, and a nice big house. Like that's not what, Jesus' last words were, go and make disciples. Why would he say that if his heart was not for the people who were lost? And in fact, he said, Jesus said, I didn't come for the healthy people. I came for the sick people. So I didn't come. In essence, he's saying, I didn't come for those people who, who already think that they got their act together. I came for the people that everyone else is walking past. I came for those people that are broken, who are strung up. I came for those people who, who still have, uh, that are still going through junk. That's who we came for. And so Jesus' heart is not just for others, but it's for the lost. And so during this part, I'm not just praying for other people. I'm not just praying for my team. I'm not just praying for my family. But I'm also praying, I specifically pray for the city of Roner Park. Here's a staggering uh, statistic. There's almost 41,000 people in Roner Park. In Roner Park, there is about 1,500 people who attend a church in Roner Park. And that's, that's a very high number. So that tells me that we got a lot of work to do. And so whenever someone up here is like, hey, man, we're just going to reach the loss and, and, and you're, you're not going to be able to, like, we're going to need chairs all the way in the back row and God's going to do amazing things. We don't say that because we need more people. But we do this because we understand that heaven and hell are real. We understand that eternity is on the balance. 
And that as long as there's people who don't know Jesus, our job is not done yet. As long as there's people in our city who don't know Jesus, I'm going to continue to give. As long as there's people in our community who don't know Jesus, I'm going to continue to serve. Listen, when I don't want to get up on a Sunday morning to get here and set up, I think about that one person that may be coming today who was on the verge of suicide. I think about that one couple whose marriage is jacked up and they're, going, they're trying one more thing. And that's what motivates me. And so this section right here, step two, we're literally praying not just for others, but specifically for the lost. And, and I gave you some how to pray for the lost. Uh, that God would draw them to Jesus. And you can read these scriptures uh, later on today. That, uh, that God would remove the blinders. That, that people would see relationally God um, not as a religious thing, but as a relationship thing. Religion doesn't work. Religion doesn't work, but, but God has given us this opportunity to connect relationally with him. And so, uh, so to, see relational, to see God relationally, uh, number four, that believers, that believers would cross their path Hey, husbands that are praying for their wives and wives that are praying for your husband, newsflash, you may not be the best person to reach your spouse. In fact, I can almost guarantee it. <laughs> and so what this, this opportunity is, is God, would you bring someone who loves you in the path of my husband and the path of my wife? that they respect and that they understand and, and that they could see what it looks like for a person to love Jesus. And so that's what we're praying for number four. And then number five, that you would lose the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that God, that in a time where people are just thinkers, God, that you would give them true wisdom and revelation on your word and who you are. So I would, I would encourage you to, to look those up and to pray those for the lost. I think on your notes, you have slots to write down people's names that you want. And, um, and again, we're just trying to help you out. So our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Okay, so this is the point where you guys can now begin to ask God for your needs. This is a point where I can begin to pray, God, uh, this is what I need help in. <laughs> God, help me here, please. And, and, and so the, the, the really the heart of, of this, oh, step three, share what's on your mind. Share what's on your mind is this idea that we have to learn to depend on God, not just for our lacks, but for our strengths too. So this idea that we have to learn to depend on God for everything. So I, I, it's, I think it's very easy for us to, when we pray, God, this is what I'm lacking. Help me. But I think even in this moment, we could begin to pray, God, I, I thank you that, that you have allowed me to be a good dad. But God, I can only be a good dad because you've allowed me to be a good dad and because you've helped me to be a good dad. And so, God, I pray that you would continue to help me. To be a good, you, you see what I'm saying? Don't just pray for your lacks, but pray for your strengths as well. And so I believe on your notes, you got little slots. You can write those things down too. Again, I'm trying to help you. Tomorrow morning, you wake up, you look at those notes and, and you just pray through the list. 
So here it is. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Okay, so I'm looking at this this week and it's kind of weird how first it says, uh, ask God, give us this day our daily bread. And then it says, God, forgive us or ask God for forgiveness. Because really, like, culturally, like, we don't understand that. Culturally, it's, hey, get your act together and then ask me for something. And I was like, God, help me to understand what this, like, what this means. Like, what are you talking, like, how is this possible? God, how can you hear and answer me before I even get my heart right with you? And I feel like God told me that his ability to hear and answer my prayers has nothing to do with who I am or what I've done, but who God is, who he is. And so I want to encourage you this morning that no matter what you're dealing with, no matter your backdrop, no matter your history, no matter your past, no matter your struggles, no matter what you're going through, don't let that keep you from coming to God with your request. Because he loves you and he hears you and he answers you not because of who you are not because of what you've done but because who he is and he's a loving God can I just say that he loves you guys so much I feel like someone needed to hear that this morning you, you, you're thinking like man how could God ever love me he loves you so much so step four, get your heart right. First with God and then with others. See, when you have that revelation that, oh my gosh, God, God hears and answers my prayers not because of what I've done, but because who he is. Like your response to that, when you really think about it, your response is like, oh my God, God, you're so amazing. God, I'm so sorry for being anything but that. God, I'm, God forgive me of, of my sins. Come on, this is the opportunity for you, begin to, for you to begin to repent and ask God for forgiveness from the things that people seen to the things that people don't even know about. Just begin to repent. God, forgive me. And then when you get to that place, then you begin to... Uh, Get your heart right with others. God, I forgive that person that sat in my chair this past Sunday. God, I forgive that person who, uh, who talked bad about me, who offended me. God, I, I forgive that person that, that cussed me out. I forgive my husband. I forgive my wife. I forgive my kids. Come on. God, God forgives us so that we can understand what forgiveness feels like so that we can show it to others. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Step five, stand your ground. Stand your ground. I believe a better translation of, of this, of because of, we know in James chapter one, 
in verse 13, uh, where he writes, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire. And so it's this idea that, that, that the author is establishing this idea that, uh, that it's not God who's tempting you. It's your own evil desires. Woo! Come on, let's take responsibility. And so, so I love this because uh, Jesus says, lead us not into temptation. But we know that he doesn't lead us into temptation. So a better translation would be this. Do not allow us to be led into temptation. Do not allow us to be led into. And so I think a perfect example, it happened to me the other day. I'm playing with my kids. I have this mask right here. My parents got it for me when I was, uh, went to Disneyland when I was, when I was younger. And it's, I mean, it's an ugly mask, right? But I love scaring my kids. And so, come on, one of my prayers, God help me to be a better daddy. Uh, but, but so, so I'm in my room, right? I'm like, I'm gonna scare my son. My little girl saw me. But I was like, shh, don't say anything. I'm in my room, doors closed. I'm like, Eli, come, come. Like, I got to tell you something. <laughs> and uh, so my, my, my plan was when he opens the door, I'm going to be like, <gasps> or whatever, you know, like. And so I hear him walking. I, I hear his footsteps coming. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be so good. I was, I was going to put it on my Insta story. <laughs> and so I hear him walking and then I hear him stop. And I hear his sister say, Eli, don't go in there. Daddy's going to scare you. You're missing the point of the story. See, Madison was facilitating what God is asked, Jesus is asking us to do. That Jesus, don't let me be allowed to be, to be led into temptation. Let me know if I'm about, if I'm headed in the wrong direction, please let me know. That's what it, lead us not into temptation. This idea that Jesus, or, or Jesus sends someone in my life that would say, hey, stop. You're headed the wrong direction. You don't want to follow through with that. Stop. Stop. I love this because this part, part five, step five, is literally all about spiritual warfare. Now, I, I, I could probably spend a whole nother hour on spiritual warfare. and Maybe we will. Maybe we'll do that as a series. But I'm going to give you cliff notes right now. As a believer, if you're here this morning and you've made a decision to follow Christ, the Bible says that you have an enemy and that the enemy's job is to kill, steal, and destroy. And so every promise that God has for you, every re reward that God has for you, there is an enemy that is trying to prevent you from ever reaching that. And so we have to know that when those moments come and, and, and we are being, uh, we feel like, man, life is just getting hard on us. Like everything, it seems like everything is falling apart. Have you ever, have you ever been there? Like it's everything, man. Like you, my family gets sick. 
and the car doesn't start. And my wife has a hard day at work. And my wife's for this is my wife, she for those of you that don't know, she got diagnosed with RA, rheumatoid arthritis. And uh, and so like we're dealing with that. But I love my wife. For, for those of you that don't know my wife, man, she's amazing. Because no matter the diagnosis of what she has, she's still, man, she's still doing spiritual warfare. Let me get to this. Ephesians chapter 6, we, it says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of this dark age. So other words, it's saying that every opposition that you're going through, there's something spiritually behind it. And so it's not the person that's really the issue. It's the spirit that's pushing that person, that's attacking. And here's the great thing, is that we don't have to just stand there and take it. I think for a lot of us, we, we've just, we're like, okay, well, this is going to happen. I better hold on. No, you have the authority to begin to pray against those things that you're going through. And so though my wife has had the diagnosis and she's still taking medicine, she's still praying, God, I thank you that you are my healer. God, I thank you that you're still my, my physician. God, I thank you. And she's praying this, man. Why? Because there's, there's, there's an enemy that's trying to rob you from what God has for you. And if you don't know how to stand firm, you're just going to be bullied. You could be the strongest person physically, but if you don't know how to stand firm in your faith. And so that's step five, stand your ground. And then last one, and I'm done. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Now, in your translation, it may not say this. I found it in the King James Version, in the New King James Version. That's one of the oldest translations. And, and they would use this, the Lord's Prayer, as a recital. And so, as other translation, translations has, has come, they, they realize, or for some reason, they, they've taken it out. But, but the last part is this. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Step six, build your confidence. Build your confidence. And so when I'm ending my prayer in the morning, I'm trying to build my confidence. That, that, that five minutes or, or 15 minutes or however long it was that I was praying, I begin to say, and God, I thank you that you are faithful to answer my prayer. God, I thank you that you hear me. God, I thank you that your ear is not deaf, your arm is not short. God, I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. And it's this process that I believe that if you can get to this place where you have a private, consistent reoccurring prayer time that God wants to do something in your life. He wants to speak to you.
He wants to hear you talk to him because he's a good God. Thank you for listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Remember, we will have a new message for you every Monday at 5 p.m. Make sure to like and subscribe and you will be notified when a new episode is ready for listening.